Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I'm going to start with a little quiz. I'm hoping this is going to be an easy one, so I'm going to have some pictures behind me. And what I want you to do is shout out who the famous person is and what they're famous for. So we're going to have the first picture. You say Bolt, and why is he famous? Running. Running. He's fast. He's really fast. He's the fastest man on earth. Jack thinks he might be, but I believe Usain Bolt is the fastest man on earth. If we can have the next slide, who's this guy? Lewis Hamilton. Why is he famous? Driving. He won the F1 World Championship multiple times. The next person. There's a big clue in this one. Real big clue. Michael Phelps. Thank you, Corinne. It is. And why is he famous? Swimming. He's one of the most decorated Olympians of all time. The next guy might be a little bit more difficult, but does anyone know who this is? So that's why he's famous. Does anyone know his name? Steve. Not Steve. This is uh, Felix Zemdegs, and he is the fastest person to solve a Rubik's Cube, and he has done it in 4.22 seconds. Quite impressive. And then there's one more, and this one's even more niche. So does anyone know who this is? Any guesses? He's doing some math, Jack, so maybe you know him. <laughs> no, it's not. But, so this is uh, Nabdub Gill, and he is a 10-year-old elementary school student in England, and he set the Guinness World Record for solving multiple, multiplication and division problems in one minute. So he answered 196 multiplication and division questions in one minute, and that has an average to more than three answers per second. Impressive. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there. I, it was Guinness World Record, so I'm sure it's all legit and above board. Now, now you've heard of all of these, does anyone want to tell me what they think the link is between all of these people? They're all really quick. Thanks, Abs. That was really quick. Thank you. So, yeah, so you're absolutely right. So they're all celebrated and are famous for the speed at which they can do things. So as a society and a human race, we celebrate and glorify speed and pace. How fast a human can run, how fast a human can drive a car, how fast we can problem solve, like uh, uh, Nadub Gill here. Um, and feel free to come and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I don't think we have many awards for people who do things the slowest or do things really slowly. Do, do, if you can think of one, do come and tell me, and I would be interested, actually. But I don't remember an F1 race where the driver was given a trophy for finishing last place. And it's not just in competition or sport or records that speed celebrated, it's all around us. How often do you in daily life at home, school or work, or are we asked, how fast can you get that done? When's the earliest we could have this assignment done by? Could you get it done by tomorrow, an hour's time? I don't know. So it's not just in sport, it's, it's speed and pace and the, how fast we can do things is just embedded in our culture. So even when I think about my work, so we came up recently with five cultural values um, as, as a workplace, and one of those values is agility, and that is the ability to change direction at speed. 
And now this is just seen as part and parcel as working at a small biotech com uh, technology company. The ability to work at speed and change direction is where we actually gain a competitive advantage. So speed is just embedded all the way through our culture. And how many technological advancements, that's a big word, I don't know if I'm going to say that too many times this morning, uh, have allowed us to do things faster. If we turn back the clock over the past century even, so we used to walk everywhere. Um, and we, and, uh, or if you were an absolute bowler, you might have a horse and you'd trot about. Um, but now we just have to jump in a one and a half ton metal box that is heated to the perfect temperature. It'll even heat your bum for you if you want. It'll heat your hands on the steering wheel and we can travel at 70 miles an hour. Or if you think on a larger scale, we can now fly halfway around the world in just 24 hours. A journey that used to take three to six months on a sailing ship and probably a lot of people thrown up off the side. Or even just to heat our house now. We used to go out and have to collect, chop wood, burn it. And it does sound pretty good going outside, getting your shirt on, getting an axe, chopping that wood. I'm sure everyone would feel really manly. Um, but if you only enjoy it now because we get to choose when we can do it. You, you used to just have to go out in the rain. I know, it's wild. Um, and now, if I wanted to, I could just take my phone out my pocket and turn my heating on. I could go onto the little app, I can select the temperature. I don't even have to leave where I'm stood right now to go turn on my heating. And then these random metal grids that are attached to the wall magically pump out some heat into my house. If I want to talk to someone that's not just a short walk away, we'd have to write a letter. People used to actually write things down, not on the phone. It's mad. If you've seen my handwriting, I'm not very good at it. I don't practice it very often. I usually type things out. I have to get Jess to write cards for me. <laughs> but then you'd have to write a letter. Then not only you'd have to write the letter, you'd have to go to the post office. So you'd have to walk or ride your horse to the post office to send that letter. And it would take days to get there, and days or weeks or months to even just get a response. Now, if you do message me, that might still be the case. <laughs> I'm not always the best at responding. Um, but now with the power of our smartphones, we can message anyone around the world in seconds, whether it be through email, iMessage, WhatsApp, WeChat, Facebook Messenger, and the list goes on. And we can get a reply in seconds again or minutes. For food, we can buy something and just microwave it in under five minutes. Or even if we don't know what we want to eat or we don't actually want to do anything, again, we can just get out our phones, <laughs> click a button in an app, and we'll have a kind soul turn up on his bicycle with a little backpack and turn up our door half an hour later with a full meal for us. Now, so we've made so many of these daily processes so quick and so efficient, and they take so much less time. So we should all be overwhelmed by free leisure time, right? Do you, do you feel like that? Do you guys all feel like you're just overwhelmed with free leisure time? So in, in, in the 1960s, a long time ago, way before I was born, um, futurists thought that one of the biggest problems that we were going to face would be too much free time or leisure time and that we just wouldn't know what to do with it. What could we do with all of this free time that we are going to create for ourselves by moving faster, creating all these processes technological advances. In 1967, a Senate committee in the USA predicted that by 1985, 
we would only work 22 hours a week for 27 weeks a year. Now, does that sound like the life that you lead this morning or like the world that we're living in today? Do you feel like you have an abundance of free time and leisure? You're only working 22 hours a week for 27 weeks a year. Because I don't know about you, but that's certainly not my reality. All we have done is fill this free time that we've created by ourselves by doing things faster and doing, and doing things more efficiently. Is all that we've done. It was just doing more stuff. We've just packed more stuff in because we can do it faster. So we, what do we do with these extra hours? I don't know. I, you might do some extra hours at work. You take on that extra assignment. Watch the latest shows on Netflix or on Amazon Prime if you're into Rings of Power. Have 16 different hobbies, whether it be cycling, golf, going to the gym, football, whatever it might be. Spend time online just scrolling through social media, Instagram or Facebook. Visit all the latest restaurants and my favourite, the newest coffee shops that come up on Manchester's Finest. Great Instagram account if you want to go on that have been highlighted there. Or just go see the latest films, whether it be a new Star Wars, the latest Marvel that's come out. We have an almost endless list of possibilities that we can fill our time with. I mean, given that we're in Manchester, we can even ski indoors. Madness. So although we've sped up so many things in our lives, all we have ended up doing is filling that time with other stuff to do. We live our lives rushing around hurrying from one thing to the next, from one hobby to the next, from work straight to home to watch the latest show on TV. And how many times do we have conversations on a Sunday chatting to each other and just saying how busy we are, how busy our weeks have been, how much we have going on at home or at work, and just how tired we are of hurrying and rushing around. And if we think of the technological advancements again, it's not just that we've made things faster, but we're actually making new technology that can do more things at once. All of the advertisements for new computers or phones talk about improved processors or more RAM. Ask Tim later if you don't know what RAM is. That allow them to do more things and multitask more effectively. And it's the same for us. Again, we, move, we do things as fast as we can, not so that we have more t- time to relax, but we should com- so we can move quicker onto the next thing to do. We multitask so many different things at the same time so we can move faster. Sometimes we even multitask so much that we forget one of the tasks that we're trying to multitask about. I don't know about you, but I certainly do that all the time. Just ask Jess. But we aren't machines. We can't just download, have better processes or insert more RAM and put in more processing power. We're only human. And we're all just in such a rush all of the time. Do you feel it? Because I certainly do. Something is really wrong here. Something is wrong in our culture where we just go from one thing to the next and one distraction to the next. And so actually this has been, this um, sickness, I guess, in our culture has actually been given a real name. So this is called hurry sickness, where we are moving and rushing around from one thing to the next. And it actually has a definition So it's a behaviour pattern characterised by continual rushing and anxiousness. So does that sound familiar to anyone? And if not, what about these 10 symptoms that are going to come up on the screen behind us? Irritability, hypersensitivity, restlessness, 
compulsive overworking, numbness, escapist behaviours, feeling disconnected from your identity and calling, not attending to your basic human needs like um, diet, exercise, getting enough sleep at night, or hoarding energy because you know that how much stuff you've got up so you need to rest so you, so you know you've got enough energy to do that next thing. Or slippage in some of the spiritual practices that we've been talking about um, over the past few weeks. What do you think now? Do you think you can relate to hurry sickness? Because, I mean, looking at the, that list, I'm thinking that I might be five or six for ten here. Now, you might be sat here thinking... So you've just told me that all of life has sped up and I'm really busy. You could have told me that yourself. You're already aware of it. Um, but maybe you've just found out about hurry sickness, but you really didn't, you already knew this, but now it just has a name and a definition. So what? It's life. This is just kind of how things work now. Um, that's how it is. We just have to deal with it and get on with it and keep moving. It's fine. We'll just, we'll just keep rushing anyway, so... Who's bothered? It's okay because I have the solutions. I can have time off. I can go on holiday, switch off, slow down then just for a couple of weeks and I'll be all right the rest of the year. I can lie in the sun, sipping on a cold drink, listening to the waves, lap up on the beach. It does sound pretty good, yeah. And how popular are off-grid holidays now? where we have no signal, we disconnect from an almost limitless distractions that live in a tiny little computer in our pocket. Or yoga retreats, walking holidays, spa breaks, whatever it is that you do to get away from it all. Now, all of those things are good things. They all help us relax and and just get a bit of space to ourselves. But they're only temporary. Temporary moments of rest from the pace and hurriedness of life. Just a little two weeks here and there where we get to have a break and chill out, but then come straight back into rushing around and hurrying. But what do the practice of Jesus in the Bible have to say about all this? Is this hurriedness even a bad thing or is it actually just doing things faster and faster? Surely that's just better, right? That's what we celebrate. And I've just told you how technological advances have radically increased the pace at which we live, but I'm pretty sure that in Jesus' day, they weren't all carrying around the latest iPhone. They weren't binged on the latest Lord of the Rings show um, on Amazon Prime. They didn't have their boss breathing down their neck at work wanting the next spreadsheet analysis or wherever it is for you. They can't possibly have felt rushed or lived in a hurry. They didn't have all this technology. Well, why don't we turn to Luke chapter 10 and we're going to read a passage that's found in verses 38 and 42. Hopefully it's going to appear on the screen. So Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42 reads this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that he had made. He had came, to, came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So here we have Jesus as a guest coming into the home of Martha and Mary. 
Here we find Martha rushing around making preparations. Maybe she was making the food. I don't know, maybe she was cleaning the bathroom. Whatever it might have been. Making, just providing hospitality and seemingly just trying to do everything at once to make sure that this, the home or the food was perfect for Jesus coming. Well, we see Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and just listening intently. And Martha got so frustrated by all this. She's rushing around doing everything, trying to get all of these tasks done, tick all of these boxes, making sure that everything's perfect, moving from one thing to the next. So much so that she even complains to Jesus about her sister. How often sometimes do we feel like that when we're rushing around doing tasks? She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Come, help me do some more tasks even faster. I've got so many things to do. But what's Jesus' response in all this? Is it, well, Martha, this is just life. It's fine. There's loads of things to do. If you just did it faster, you wouldn't be so stressed. No, it wasn't. Jesus' response was, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha's worry and distraction and rushing around has prevented her from being truly present with Jesus. She actually is kind of in here rushing around to make sure the house or whatever it is is perfect. She has missed the key bit of hospitality which is sitting and being with your guest. And in this case, the guest was Jesus. And this rushing around and worrying and hurrying has actually also caused her to drive a wedge between herself and those around her. In this case, it was her sister. And a wedge even between Jesus and herself. She'd forgotten the key thing here. Does that sound familiar to kind of how sometimes life is now? So it's not just that these technological advances have sped up life. Even back in the Bible, we can, we can relate. And Jesus, rather than giving her, her a lecture, just reminds Martha that the one thing that is needed for her is just to receive the gracious presence of Jesus. Just to listen to his words, to know that she's valued not for how many things she's done that day or how quickly she has got them done or even how well she does it, but just for who she is as a child of God. He is telling Martha just to slow down, to receive his presence and remind herself that she is a child of God. But in order to receive Jesus' presence, what did she have to do? She had to stop for a minute, stop hurrying, stop going as fast as she possibly could and worrying about the number of things that she had to do. She had to slow down. And that's the solution here. We have to slow down our lives because we all feel like we're like Martha, where we're rushing around in a hurry, worrying about the million things on our list of things to do. And we're just missing out. We're missing the, the point. We're missing the big picture because we're just going from one thing to the next and just distracting ourselves. And James shared some more verses with us last week that speaks into this. And uh, we find them in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. And I was a bit worried last week when he put these on the screen because I was like, I hope he's not going to take me preach away. But he didn't, so we're good. Um, so yes, yeah, so this is Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. 
And Jesus says, come to me, all those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, a gent- for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How good does that sound? How often are we weary, tired and burdened from the pace of life? How often are we weary, tired and burdened just by how much we have going on in our lives? And Jesus is offering us rest. And I've got another translation of these verses that's found, it's a translation called The Message, which kind of tries to translate the Bible into more modern language. And I just thought, um, actually, the way the phrase this and the translation of this is really nice, so I think that's going to come up behind me as well. So it says, Are you tired, worn out, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Again, I don't know about you, but how good does that sound? Now remember the yoke here in the first translation uh, are Jesus' teachings and practices. And like in the message version here, it's how we've been discussing over a few weeks. It's a way of living. But I think sometimes when you sat here at church and someone reads out a verse like that and you're just like, oh, that sounds so amazing. How good would that be to find that rest? But I just can't relate. I can't relate to how that would feel or how that could possibly be anything close to what my life looks like right now. How am I supposed to take up this new yoke thing or these new teachings when I have so many other things going on in my life? I can't afford to stop at the minute and take a rest. There's too much to do, too many things that I want to achieve in my life. I can't work with Jesus at the minute. I've got too many other things going on. I haven't got time. I can't slow down and step in with Jesus because there's too much to do. But as apprentices of Jesus, how can we afford not to slow down? How can we afford not to slow down and step in with Jesus and receive this real rest? I've got a quote here from a guy called Michael Zigarelli. And this is talking about being an apprentice to Jesus, and I'm sure a lot of us can relate. So he says here, the number one problem is time. People are too busy to live emotionally fulfilled, spiritually rich lives. And he says, it might be the case that Christians are assimilating a life that accumulates hurriedness, busyness, and overload. And why is that a bad thing? Well, actually, it just leads to God becoming more marginalised in a Christian's life. So that leads to a deterioration of your relationship with God. And it actually leads to Christians becoming more vulnerable to secular assumptions about how to live, which then leads to more conformity to this culture of busyness and overload that we all live in. We're basically just distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. We are distracting ourselves from having a relationship with God by continuing at the pace at which we live. So again, can we really afford to carry on rushing around and living hurried lives? But maybe you're thinking now again that actually, yeah, that sounds good, actually. I think I do need to slow down. 
But how exactly does this fit in with all of these other spiritual practices that you've been telling us that we've got to do? You're telling me that in order to grow my apprenticeship with Jesus, I need to slow down, but then I also need to do all of these things like read my Bible, live in community, go for meals with people, go to my Redis community group on a Wednesday night, come along to church on a Sunday, even make it out half nine for prayer. How, how does that sound restful? How could that possibly give me rest? How exactly does all of this fit on top of my already busied and hurried life and still somehow I'm going to find rest? I thought these verses said, come and find rest. Surely adding all of this into my life isn't restful. Maybe if there was some more hours in the day, I would get on board with all this. Maybe if I just had more time, I'd get on board with all this. But you know what? I'm pretty sure if we had more hours in the day, we just fill them with more ways to distract ourselves. And you're absolutely right. Adding all of this into a hectic and hurried life is almost impossible. The hardest way to follow Jesus is just to live and continue to live like everyone else around us, hurrying around and rushing around and doing, going from one thing to the next. And then on top of that, adding on an apprenticeship to Jesus. Actually, we just have to step back and just radically alter our whole lifestyle. As we've been saying through this whole series, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I've read a passage in the Bible where Jesus was rushing around like a madman, multitasking, stressing out because all of these people are coming to him and asking him loads of questions and going from one thing to the next to the next. He carried out these practices we are discussing, and centred his whole earthly life around them. And even in that, had time for every single person that came to him. We have to radically alter our lifestyle and centre it around the practices of Jesus, not have them as an added bonus or an added thing that's on top of our own agenda. These practices on the screen behind us have to be the centre of our lives. And it's challenging We've talked about before how actually we're all at different stages of our apprenticeship. This isn't a kind of a tick box exercise where you're like, yes, I've got this. I'm going to go on to the next one. I'm going to get this one. This is a lifelong task of just becoming more like Jesus and altering our lifestyle around some of these practices like simple living, meeting as a church, communion, prayer, reading the Bible. But this is how we can find rest. Jesus offers us not just a temporary rest like a holiday although they are very nice, a digital detox or a yoga retreat, but a real rest, a different way of living life. He knows life's hard. He knows the challenges that we're going to face, tough days, rough months, long weeks, and he knows that we're going to have burdens to carry through life. But he offers us a way of carrying these burdens more lightly. But we have to slow down and draw in beside him and walk in step with him in his timing and not our own. That yoke analogy there, a yoke usually went across two animals. Jesus isn't asking you to do this all by yourself. He is asking you to draw in beside him and he will carry the heavy burdens for you. I'm just going to read those verses from Matthew again, just because it sounds so different to our lives sometimes, doesn't it? But it does sound so good. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. 
I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So obviously we're doing the Practice in the Way series, so we need to get a bit practical about how we're going to do this. How exactly are we going to find a way of slowing our lives down and walking step with Jesus? Because if we don't slow down, we're not just going to be able to add these practices on top of our hurried lives. Now I have five practical ways in which we can slow ourselves down and eliminate hurry from our lives. Fully enough, they come from a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Imagine that. So the first is Sabbath. And this is actually something James, if you go back and listen to James's preach as well last week, he talked a lot about this week, uh, this last week, and how much this helped him. And this is just a day where you t- um, do what is life-giving for you. Maybe that's sitting and reading, going on a walk and out in the peak, spending some time listening to the worship music or a podcast, meeting up with friends. But you just can't do work. Don't do any jobs or tick off those little things that are on your do list. Oh, it's okay if I just you know, quickly tick this one thing off. You have to just do what is life given for you. And James is sharing how big of an impact that has had on the rest of his week. The second is fixed hour prayer. And this is where during the day you just take a moment to recenter yourself and pause and just give yourself to Jesus again in prayer. This doesn't have to be for an hour, right, bang in the middle of your day. It could just be for a couple of minutes. Just take a moment, pause, take a breath, and recenter yourself. Four is simple living. And I guess a lot of us in the grand uh, three, yeah, sorry, three, yeah, yeah, is uh, fix our schedule. Yeah, thanks, Jess. Um, Now, this one might be a bit extreme for some, but this is actually where you schedule out your ideal week, hour by hour. And all of it, you make sure all of your values are on there. The practice of Jesus, whatever is really important to you. Because actually, we only really achieve real inner peace and rest when all of our values is actually aligned with how we spend our time. Four is simple living. And I guess a lot of us actually, in the grand scheme of things, we're actually pretty rich. We have jobs, we have roofs over our heads, food's on our table. And simple living is really just where you strip down your whole life to what really matters. Go through your money, your house, your habits and hobbies. Where do we spend our money? Are there hobbies that actually we don't really commit to or have the time for? Are there habits like how much time we spend online or binging TV shows that actually really we could cut back on? And five, it's just slowing down your overall pace of life. But how exactly do you do that? Well, you can come up with silly little rules for yourself to slow down. And I've got one um, that I've actually been putting into place while I've been writing this sermon that helps me slow down. So my rule is now that, so at work, there's, it's a big site, there's lots and lots and lots of different car parks. I used to park in the multi-storey car park that was closest to the door that I get into work. But there is a really nice car park a little bit further away that's actually got a lake running by it. So what I've started doing is parking all the way at the end of the other car park and just taking five minutes in the morning just to walk in. I get to walk in along the lake and just slow down a little bit before I go in and rushing around um, with my day. But it could be anything for you. It's just little simple rules. It could be drive the speed limit if you've, got, if you've kind of got an issue like that. Or get into the slow lane on the motorway. Who likes doing that? But if that's for you, that's for you. 
Show up 10 minutes early for an appointment or a meeting, but don't actually take out your phone. You sit there and look like that weirdo. Walk slower. I don't know, if you rush around, just walk slower. Or get into the longest line of the, wherever you're queuing, whether it be at the supermarket or wherever it is. Single tasking, where you only do one thing at once, rather than watching something on TV while also reading your emails and also sending messages to three other people. Maybe just do one thing at once. Journal, turn your smartphone into a dumb phone for certain times of day, maybe just in the evening. Whatever it might be for you, just come up with a little, little simple rules, like what mine was for me, just that little five minutes in the morning where rather than rushing straight into work from the closest possible car park, I just have that little walk. Now, like we've been saying through the whole sermon series as well, it's not like you ha- suddenly have to go full guns blazing at this and you're going to have to do all of these five things. You're going to strip everything out of your life. You're going to sell all of your possessions and you're going to walk everywhere really, really slowly and you're going to sell your car because that's what they used to do and just walk everywhere. Just start with where you're at. Now, slowing down, actually, for me, is probably a really big one. I often live at 100 million miles an hour. I'm actually the fastest man on earth. Sorry, Jack. I always do that extra hour at work. I just take on that extra assignment because I guess that is just the culture in which we live. I have too many hobbies. Just ask Jess. She hates it. Um, And like to multitask at ridiculous levels. I often want to live at my pace trying to fill whatever I think my earthly possible potential is while forgetting, actually, I've got limitations. And this actually just marginalises my relationship with Jesus. And how exactly does that pan out? Well, it leads to a deterioration in relationship with God. It leads to me becoming more vulnerable to secular assumptions about how I live. And then the cycle continues where I rush more and I hurry more. So it just leads to a conformity to that culture of business and overload. And probably earlier this year, actually, this is kind of where that really hit me. I'd had a rough year at work the year before, and I started early this year where I'd had every, I got everything that I wanted at work. I got to lead the project that I wanted to lead. We'd started reddish. It was going really well. I've got a house. I've got a great marriage. And all of these things were going so well around me But I just found myself just feeling so numb. And that's because I'd centred my life around all of the things that I'd wanted. I'd rushed from one thing to the next to the next and had just become so numb inside. And I think that's going through this practice in the way series for me has been brilliant just because since then I've just kind of built and built and built and just kind of grown in my relationship with God and just learned slowly that actually, even though at the time, My heart was so hard and I just wanted nothing to do with God because I was running on my own schedule and that was just getting in the way. Um, Actually, I just needed to slow down and walk in step with him. So they're just a few of my little rules that helped me slow down. And actually, out of those five, like I say, so I'm probably right at the beginning of my journey and trying to learn to slow down. Um, So what am I going to do about it? Because it's all well and good to stand here at the front and be like, yeah, guys, you go and do that. Um, but actually, what am I going to do about this? Because actually, I'm probably right at the start of my journey with this. So me and Jess have been talking. So Jess is my wife, just for clarification. Um, and we're actually going to put into practice having a Sabbath. 
Now, exactly how frequently that's going to be is still under discussion because we both like to rush around. But maybe, actually for us, maybe at the minute, because we're right at the start, it's not going to be once a week. It's just going to be once a month. But we deliberately put in that day where we just rest and refocus on what matters. I'm also going to try and have a fixed hour prayer in the middle of my day. I'm going to have it as close to one o'clock as possible, depending on whether I'm in a meeting or not. I'm not sure if I'm going to shut up at one o'clock for a couple of minutes while everyone's sat around me. But I'm going to take five minutes just to recenter myself, slow down the busyness of my day and refocus on what really matters. And that is my relationship with Jesus. Because I can't become the apprentice of Jesus that I'm meant to be if I'm hurrying and rushing through life. If I don't slow down and deliberately start the centre of my life around the practices of Jesus. Now this doesn't affect whether I'm a Christian or not. This doesn't affect kind of in a way like whether I'm going to go to heaven or whether I believe in Jesus. It's, it's, it's not to do with that. But let's just hear those verses again and hear what kind of life that we can lead when we grow in our apprenticeship with Jesus. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Yeah, probably. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. We just need to change our thinking from I'm too busy to have a relationship with Jesus. There are too many things going on in my life that I can't possibly afford to slow down to how can we possibly afford not to slow down if we want to have an apprenticeship with Jesus? Come in alongside Jesus, walk in step with him at his pace, and we will learn to live freely and lightly.